this morning? So good to see you. For those that I've seen before, there's new faces, which is always exciting for me personally. You know, the church should be growing. and But you understand, that's not just in numbers. There's an internal growth that has to take place, all right? So we can fill a building with a bunch of bodies, but not grow at all. But if we are in the church, our body's there, but our spirit man's growing, that's something significant. Amen? So it's so good to be with you today. Um, I just want to say I'm thankful for Pastor Mark and Ashley because they do such great work. And, um, you know, um, I never expected to actually expand Anchor Faith Church beyond St. Augustine. Uh, That was something that came in my spirit, man, uh, years ago uh, when Brian and Cheyenne actually come here to start a work called uh, Life Bible Church. And about 18 months in, uh, they were having some challenges, and I went and just spent some time with them. And the Lord said, ask them if they want to be an Anchor Faith Church. I thought, that's odd. So I asked, and they said, yes. So, you know, we changed the name. 18 months later, came back up, and something just, you know, didn't seem like we were going in the direction we needed to go, what was happening. And they were like, we believe we need to come down there with you. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I never would have gave them Anchor Faith Church. <laughs> right? But the Lord knew. Because, I, because Pastor Mark had already been with us. Uh, he came from Texas when we first started Anchor Faith Church in uh, 2004 down in St. Augustine. And I knew that he would pastor one day. He always assumed he would do Texas because he's from Texas. And so once this opportunity came, you know, I told uh, Pastor Brown, I said, well, I'll take it. And I'll transition it. And um, so I actually, from January of what year did you come? 2011, January 2011 to October, I pastored Valdosta. We drove up here every Sunday night. Remember, Chuck? Every Sunday night. We'd shut down the morning services. And um, Pastor Brian did our midweek, and we came up here every Sunday. Pastor Mark with me, brought a worship team. We had a great time. Two and a half hours, man, 2.45. We had to stop in McClenny, get our Starbucks on the way. That was, that was tradition, you understand. And then on the way back, we stopped at the exit prior to that, which I think is exit 335 because there's a little Chevron station, and we would get the nasty coffee that's there. And little, um, um, you would get Sour Patch Kids. You and Pastor Marcus, it's disgusting. And when Chase came, he would get those teriyaki-flavored beef jerky. The suburban stunk so bad. But I would get chocolate little cakes with the cream filling on the inside with a little white. Yeah. I don't eat those anymore. <laughs> but I would eat those. We had a great time. And we would go back, and then we'd get back into St. Augustine probably about 12, 30, 1 o'clock, whatever it was. And i said, say, see you all in the morning at work, 8 o'clock. No break. And so Pastor Marcus on multiple times said we were praying, Lord, let him allow us to sleep in. That was their boot camp, you understand. See you all in the morning, 8 o'clock. Let's go. Right? Anyway, um, I had planned to hold it for a year, but it just seemed right with me and the Holy Ghost. I think it was around June, July, maybe that same year. Uh, the Lord said, Pastor Mark's going to take this church, come in Ashland. And I said, hmm. So I called him. I said, um, hey, did the Lord tell you to go to Texas? And he already knew then because the Lord said, Pastor's going to call you and tell you to take Valdosta and you're going to take it. Hallelujah. So three months later, they did such a great job. I was like, you can have it. I don't need to come up 30, 30, three more months. This has been good. I've given birth in nine months now. You can have it. <laughs> so, ladies, I know what it's like to give birth. No, I, honestly, I don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stones. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. 
They say if you pass a kidney stone, it's just as bad, but I've never done that either, so it doesn't matter. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's see where we'll start today. Again, it's so good. Man, great things are happening. Amen? Um, I'll probably start you over in Romans chapter 10. I'll say a few prior to that. Romans chapter 10, I get you there. You know, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, I, I always give a bunch of little infomercial stuff. You know, in scriptures, I set things up. My, my, um, my introductions can be about 15 minutes long, and then we'll get started. But um, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus said to a religious group of people, he says, why do you forsake the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? And so I just want to encourage you, no matter how long you've been in church, uh, you've always got to be growing and learning. You've got to remain teachable. Uh, too often, especially as long as I've been in church, you know, my mom raised me in church. I was born and boom, went to church and been there my whole life. And so a lot of times you'll hear scripture and you can just go, oh, yeah. But if you have that, then you'll miss something great. So you want to always make sure that no matter what scripture you hear, even if you've heard it a hundred thousand times, like John three sixteen, there's still some truths in there that we've not yet discovered. So you want to make sure you have great expectation. Amen. I'm so glad that you honored your pastors. Uh, if he had not told you that, uh, then I would have had to go in another direction. You know, Pastor Mark holds all authority here in making decisions at this location, but I still have authority over him. And sometimes if I have to come in here and help uh, the process of honor, I will. Because if you honor the gift, you'll get the reward of that gift. Now, if you call him, you know, hey, Mark, what's up? Then you get a friend, and he's a good friend. But if you want the anointing of pastor, then you call him Pastor Mark. Because it pulls that anointing in. It's nothing personal. It's what God called him. You know, there's a lot of teaching out there about titles. Oh, we don't need titles. Nobody cares about titles. Well, God gave the title. And God gave some as. That's a God title. You know? We're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. We want what's in the title, which is really a job description. So it's really not about being called pastor for a title. It's about being called pastor so the anointing that goes with that position can flow. Amen. Because sometimes you want a friend. I understand that. But sometimes you need a pastor because he'll bring an anointing that will break the yoke and destroy and remove the burden. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. So, um, so let's grow today. Let's, let's hear some things that we've heard before, but let's put ourselves in a position that, because we're going to need it. I said we're going to need it, all right? In Ecclesiastes 8.4, again, you stay in Romans 10. I'll get to it in a minute. In Ecclesiastes 8.4 says, where the word of the king is, there is power. This is the new, uh, new King James Version, or the King James Version. And so you understand, we are in a kingdom, literally. I mean, that literally exists right now. It exists. It physically exists in heaven. It spiritually exists on planet Earth right now. And his name is Jesus, who's the king of our kingdom. And he has all authority. All authority, the Bible says, has been given to him in heaven and earth. And Paul, later on, wrote, said it under the earth. There's not a place that his authority doesn't rule and reign. Hallelujah. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So there's this word of a king that has power. His name's King Jesus, and how do we get in his kingdom? Well, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the New Living Translation says it this way. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Well, when did you get there? Because it's not when you go to heaven, the place that we can't see. The minute you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, which is not a religious word, that simply means supreme in authority. 
The minute you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you are transferred. You are no longer under the authority and power of the devil. You're no longer subject to the law of sin and death. And you're no longer stuck in darkness, which really is just ignorance. God turns the light on. Hallelujah. And so when he turns the light on, now you can know God's word. Before you were absent from God's word, from his presence, from being able to walk and operate in the things that he has. But the minute he turns the light on and you accept it, then he draws you into the light. And then he transfers you, which means now you're of a different domain. Amen. You're in a kingdom where Jesus is king. Jesus knew he was king. That's why he preached about the kingdom all the time. said, for the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of heaven is like that. In fact, in John chapter 18, when Pilate was, you know, interrogating him because, you know, the chief priests and the Jewish nation had handed him over to him, he says, you know, uh, are you the king of the Jews? Now, that's an interesting statement because Pilate's a governor and governors know who kings are. In fact, the only reason why Pilate literally went ahead and had him crucified is because of the uprising that's taking place uh, in that nation. And the Jews were saying, our loyalty is to Caesar. So basically, Pilate, where's your loyalty? And Caesar's the king of Rome. So, in essence, though there was no guilt with Jesus, he released him to be crucified. Anyway, he says, are you the king of the Jews? He said, did someone tell you about me or did you learn this on your own? Now, Jesus implying, I am what you say. He said, now, listen, I'm not a Jew, am I? He said, your own people and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Then Jesus answers this question. He said, my kingdom. But Jesus is not a liar. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, when he says that, he describes what he means not of this world. That doesn't mean it's of heaven. That doesn't mean it's a location. It means how it operates. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would not let me be handed over to the, to the Jews. Meaning, if I was a king and we operated like the worldly kingdoms, my army would show up. He had an army, you know. They're called a heavenly host. And they're tough people. I mean, they are extremely well-versed in tactical battles. He sent one angel once down to the to physical man's realm with the Midianites, and he smote 185,000 soldiers. One. Jesus in the garden told Peter, said, don't you know I could bring a whole legion of angels down? The planet would be over. It'd be over. But anyway, um, he says, you know, my, my kingdom's not of this realm. He says, so you are a king. And then Jesus said, you say correctly that I am a, I'm a king. Now, this is significant where we're going today. Because it's not, it's not good enough that when we hear the word faith, that we think about religion. Because the faith in God is not religion. Faith in God is faith in the word of the king. And where the word of the king is, there's power. Now, the best way that I can try to demonstrate this to you is that our own president, they have this power called executive orders. Now, it doesn't have as much power when all three... Because there's a check and balance in our democracy. But you understand the kingdom is not a democracy. Anyway, there's a check and balance. But once, you know, the, king, the, the president it does an executive order and if Congress backs it and the Supreme Court says it is constitutional, then it becomes law. Which means then the power of that statement goes in effect for all citizens. So when God says something, the power of that word goes in effect for all of his citizens. And we've been transferred into his kingdom. Amen. 
transferred into his kingdom. So there are some things that God wants to do in our lives so that we, in turn, can know and walk and operate in something greater than this realm, than what we see. Uh, there's another translation of Corinthians uh, 1.13 that says, Who delivered us out of the tyrannical rule, uh, Colossians, excuse me, Colossians 1.13, Who delivered us out of the tyrannical rule of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So then when we get to Romans chapter 10.17, we've heard this scripture before, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. Now when we hear that, you understand, well, we think, you know, Christian faith, and then there's Muslim faith, and then there's, you know, Hindu faith. It's like we're all just a different type of faith. Well, that's because you define faith as a religion. When the truth is, when we talk about faith, we're talking about God's word, the absolute power of that word, and the absolute final say of that word. That's what we're saying. So when we're saying we're of the faith, we're saying we are of the word of the king who oversees a kingdom or a domain. And his word is final forever. His word is forever settled in heaven. And it comes to pass right here on the earth. He looks over his word to what? Perform it. He's looking who he can show himself mighty in. And that's who he's looking for is those who will believe him at his word. Amen. So, we need to recognize that God will speak to us. And when he does, faith or God's word never lines up with what we naturally see. Just look to your neighbor and says, you'll never see it when you see it. Because faith is seen somewhere other than where you currently can physically see. So, you'll never see it when you see it. Now, you've got to see it because if you don't see it, you'll never see it. But the seeing you're seeing is unseen. And you'll pull it from the unseen into the seen. Hallelujah. Did you get that? They're recording this. You'll be able to get back online. Now, faith is, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. means I believe it, though I don't see it yet. Because someone has said it, and the one who said it is able to perform what was said. Are you with me? Faith comes by hearing. So faith isn't just there because it's there. It comes. You can't say you have faith without receiving faith how it comes. Well, I have faith. No, you don't. Some people say they have faith but never go to church, never open the Bible. They don't have faith. Because they consider themselves being in the faith or because they're Christians. Because one time I came to an altar, I kneeled down with tears and snot and cried out to God to save me. And he did. But then at that moment, you never heard from him again. Meaning you do not have a, pr a practice of listening to Jesus. Now, how do you listen to Jesus every day? There's two ways to listen to Jesus every day. The primary way we listen to Jesus is contained by reading his word. And reading his word is God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the 14th verse of the same chapter says, and the word became flesh. So the Bible is God speaking to us, and if we're not reading it, then we're not hearing it. 
And if we're not hearing it, then we do not have faith knocking at our door because faith comes by. The second way is by the Spirit of God that now lives on the inside of us because we are a child of God. Once we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God, but not just so he can say, hey, Pastor Ashley, you're going to heaven when you die. That is not the assignment of the Holy Ghost. The assignment of the Holy Ghost is not limited and only for, hey, when you die, you go to heaven. That is not what he's there for. What he's there for is he says, you are a child of God. Now, let me tell you what you're entitled to. Let me teach you some things. Let me instruct you about the kingdom. Let me let you know what you can have now. What's yours today? That dad sending you today. Because Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Well, how can he do that? Well, because he sent the Holy Ghost. And the reason why people are like, God, where are you at? Well, they're not taking the time to actually talk to him, spend time with him, and get around him enough to hear him speak to them. I just need a word. So they want somebody to speak a word over them so they'll have a word. Well, you better hope that the word they spoke over you actually came from God, not from them. Now, it can come from them. Praise God. But how are you going to discern it if you're never around it? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, there's a great thing with this thing called faith. The thing about faith is, again, it's just substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means I'm believing for something I just don't even see. And we operate in a natural layer of faith all the time, or the world does, and we'll get to some examples of that here in a minute. But 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. You have to develop a life being able to see the invisible. If you are truly a child of God, then your lifestyle should be that you're always seeing things unseen. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, like the sixth sense. I see dead people. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that you're able to peer beyond the veil of the natural and see the things God has said about you, said are for you, says a part of your purpose, and you're able to see them more than you are what you currently are looking at. And you have to live a life like that. A life like that. It's not a one-time moment. It's a life like that. Okay? So we look not at things that are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal or temporary. The things that are not seen are what? Eternal. So Romans 4, 23, the latter part of that verse says it this way. And whatever is not of faith is sin. So we need, we need to understand this, that a lot of times... Uh, When we talk about um, the Word of God or where the Word of the King is, there's power or faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God, that the Word of God is not just uh, laws in the context of um, behaviors that we know we're not supposed to do. Well, I'm not supposed to fornicate. I'm not supposed to sleep with this person I'm not married with because that's sin. Are you with me? That's sin. And that is sin. Okay? You know, it's amazing how people will come and say, you know, in fact, while my wife and I was here, I got a text from someone said they want to visit our church. There's a couple things here. Number one, they said they wanted to, they, they're, they're wanting to come and find a good church, okay? And I'm thinking of the rich young ruler right now because the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, good teacher. And Jesus said, only God's good. So he's really wondering, do you even understand what good is? So my first question is, does this individual even know what a good church is? first thought okay um then there was another question the uh, next question was how what was our position on homosexuality well my position is the same as every sexual sin that's within the word of god 
It's amazing how a group wants to try to ostracize you when the the biblical position of sexual immorality is the same across the board. Marriage is where that encounter takes place, period. So, you know, we ain't even talking about man, man, woman, woman stuff. Let's talk about man, woman stuff that ain't even married stuff. But because a lot of times the church has been tolerant with that. Right? Well, you know, adultery isn't right, correct? Okay. How about this, though, being a sin? Go over there and talk to that person that's in Walmart and tell them I love them. And you don't do what he said. That's sin. Because you're disobeying what God said. Yeah, but I ain't, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sexually pure, you know. I don't disobey my parents, you know. I, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stole anything. I understand that. But yet you're supposed to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. And if he says, go over there. My wife and I were in Aldi the other day, and this lady, uh, you know, was um, purchasing some items. And then she decided, okay, I'm not going to purchase this item. Because basically she had pulled her cash out and, and ran the numbers real quick, and she had a few items she needed to put back. Well, my wife seeing that, she said this. She said, we'll buy it for you. It's no problem. Then from there, she said, you know what? We'll just buy all your groceries. So I said, well, if we're buying them all, I might as well go get the dog food she put back. So we did. But that's because we heard. I don't buy just to buy, but you buy to, to buy in hearing. Now, if I'd have let that go, I'd have been in sin that day. And I had to have repented just because I simply didn't buy the lady groceries. Then my wife all and says, God loves you. We love you. You know, have a great day. Nothing huge and big, but it left, we let the Holy Ghost deal with that now. The Holy Ghost can talk to her about that and say, see how I sent my children to take care of you. You understand, I'll take care of you. All those things can take place. But if I had not followed that word, I could have said, you see the buggy you got? And we don't have kids at the house anymore. You see the buggy we got? I mean, you could always explain away why, but that inward witness, when God starts to talk, that's there so faith can rise up. Now, let me say it this way. There are times that faith is really just for us. Let me read uh, Hebrews eleven six. How important is faith? And without faith, it's impossible to please him. All right? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. But you understand, the God who loves you can be disappointed. And we as natural parents have this happen all the time. We love our kids, but they don't take the trash up when we tell them to. And then we're naturally what? We hate them, we disown them, we get rid of them, tell them they ain't part of the family anymore. We let somebody else adopt them. We kick them out. Right? No, I didn't do that either. What we do is we say we are disappointed. And then we correct them. And make a demand that they obey that word because that word isn't just so you're my personal slave. That word is to teach you so that you will have responsibility and you're going to need to submit in life. Because if you're ever going to follow God, you better learn how to submit. And if you can't submit me that you see, you'll never submit to a God you can't. Amen. So, now without faith, it's impossible. You have to ask yourself, you may, you may wake up this morning and say, again, God loves me. But the next question you have to ask yourself, is he pleased with me today? Is he pleased with me? And if you're not operating in faith, my question is, what's your faith project? 
What is it right now that you're currently believed for that you can't see, but you only see with the eyes of faith, but nobody's seen, but you're talking about that it already exists, though nobody sees that it exists? What is it? And we should be living from faith to faith, glory to glory, which means you ought to have a faith project right now. For without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I'm going to break down three words real quick in this passage of Scripture so we can go on to where we're going to go today. The first word I want to break down is the word must. Must means this, to be something that should be done as the result of compulsion. It is necessary. There is a need of it. It behooves, is right and proper. So notice it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must. So this is necessary, that you are in need of it. It has to be done. It behooves you. You must what? Believe. You must believe. That means you can't hope alone. You must believe. You must get into faith. You must believe what God has said and what you're believing he is able to perform. That's why I've spoken of Abraham, the father of many nations, the father of us all, that when he, in hope against hope, when there was really no level of confident expectation that this should occur, he still had a confident expectation this will occur, that he'll have a child, though his wife never could have a child in the 89 years of her life, and them trying did not take place. And then prior to, you know, she finally getting pregnant, she was convinced, well, you know, maybe it's with my handmaid, but I think the reason she did that more was to determine is it a Abraham problem or a me problem. Well, when the maidservant popped hot, we know it's not Abraham's problem. Are you with me? So you understand the mental issue. See, when we start trying to do it our own way, it'll mess our mind up even more. Because now we can reinforce it's my fault. It's my problem. It's the reason I'm the one. I'm glad that Abraham said, I don't care who's the one. God said it, and it's going to happen. And it said that he did not shrink back, but he grew strong in faith. Because he believed that God was able to perform what he said he would do. Amen. Why? Because he recognized the king has spoken and it will be as the king has said. Are you with me? So if there's been authority figures in your life that have said a thing and hadn't done a thing, that is not God. Because God is not a man that he should lie. So if he says it, it will. You can bank it. You can take it to the, and I'm going to prove it to you specifically, you literally can take it to the bank. Okay? The next one says rewarder. So he must believe that he is. So first you got to you have to believe that God is. God's God. And that he is a rewarder. This word rewarder, when you break it down in the Greek, means this. One who pays wages. To give pay for services rendered. Amen. Again, you go to work tomorrow. And you get paid. If you get paid every Friday at the end of the week, you would expect a paycheck. Whether it's in paper form, cash form, or direct deposit, correct? If it's every other week, you work. If you don't get it, that's a problem, right? And what do you have to prove it? Okay, well, let's get into it. What do you have to prove that they owe you in the first place? Your time slip, which is a piece of paper with words on it. Your W-2 form that you filled out as an employer in the application that they have on file of what they would take away and the whole agreement with you concerning how much you would make. 
another piece of paper with words on it. Are you with me? So you have this employee file that's got your signature on it. And they said they would take this out and you're part of the company and the benefits associated with it. Then you actually have your timesheet that proves that you were there physically. And it's those paper documents that give you the authority and right to come in and say, what's the problem? How come I didn't get paid? Now, you may let one week go if you have a savings account. Most of you will not. I understand. But let's be hypothetical. Right? None of you. It's midnight. It ain't in. What's the problem? I mean, I, my staff, because uh, my, uh, my associate pastor, we did, went to direct deposit. And sometimes, you know, we'll get done with meetings a little earlier. And he'll get that thing set up for Thursday quicker that sometimes 6 p.m. on Wednesday night it shows up. So I got a few employees that are checking at 6 p.m. to see if it was one of them early deals. That means they have an expectation. Right? And if it isn't, they're like, ah. But they know by midnight. And some of them wake up. Yep, it's in. Okay, we're good. Whatever. <laughs> Amen. Trust but verify. I understand. <laughs> My point is, is that you are doing something that earned a wage. And God is saying with rewarder that if you will believe, he'll pay a wage. What we don't understand is faith is not just about believing something. Faith is actually the currency of the kingdom. It's the actual currency of the kingdom. It's how we get the unseen to the seen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Let me show you some currency today. I got a $20 bill here, but also got 2000 It's just in Albanian money. So technically, I have 2020. The problem is, this 2000 is worth about this 20. All right? So I have to have more of the Albanian money to equate to what U.S. currency is. All right? But what is this? This is whatever this can be exchanged for. This could be $20 of gas. This could be um, a, a, a Burger King meal for $5 four times. I don't do Burger King anymore, but I saw a commercial. <laughs> this could be, right? This could be a shirt. This could be a pair of pants. This could never be makeup ever. It's not enough of it. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this can be seed. Amen. But it is whatever the exchange is. And that's what faith is. Faith is the exchange. And you understand this, God knows the value that's necessary to get the exchange. He knows the value. All of us, what we want to do is we want to get everything down to rock bottom pricing. We want the deal, the bargain. No, no, I ain't paying for that. I wait till it goes to Marshalls. Right? Then it goes to Marshalls, and you're like, oh, there it is. See, I told you. See, I pay. I, you know.
money I saved, you ain't saved no money. All you did was have more money that you transferred somewhere else. Because the one, the hundred dollars you'd have spent on the shirt while it was in the mall, now you spent a hundred dollars in Marshalls with more shirts. Amen. I love when people come to me and say, you know, Pastor, are we saved? Yes, you didn't save me anything. All you did is give me the opportunity to spend it somewhere else. <clears throat> really? Because I, I'm that guy. I'm going to put seed in the ground. You know, I'm not about savings accounts no more than what God wants me to save. Because I'm not going to stand before the Lord one day and say, well, your savings account looked good, but let me tell you all the people who needed it. Now, there's a time to save, and there's times to save that which is right. But all that just equates to touching somebody's life. So I want to live life spent. Not only physically with my finance, but also spiritually pouring my life out to somebody. I'm serious. Because if I'm saving something, it's for a purpose. And that purpose is to get rid of it somewhere, to touch somebody. Not so that I feel good about what's in my account. Because there's, there's some rough things about people who live that kind of life. Seek, the word seek literally means to exert considerable effort and care in learning something. To make a careful search, to seek diligently, to learn, to make an examination, to seek, seek after. Also signifies to require, demand, shall be required. So, guess what? It's no different than you going to work Friday with your employee packet and your timesheet, and all of a sudden something hadn't shown up, and you're saying, I make a demand. You understand, the king has no problem when you say, I make a demand on what you said. In fact, he wants you to. He wants you to. The problem is, a lot of times, if we don't watch out, we'll get into these opportunities that we have with God, and we want to negotiate them down naturally. Okay, hallelujah. <clears throat> there are opportunities that present themselves in order for God to manifest himself before mankind. You need to understand that. And that happens with our faith. Okay, with our faith. Let me give you a few scriptures. John 1, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children. You have overcome them, but greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. So there's going to be opportunities that are afforded to you where God wants to manifest himself before mankind. And you'll show him by your faith, through your faith. Are you with me? First John chapter 5, verse 4 says it this way. New American Standard says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. The Darby says it this way. For all has been... Uh, for all that has been begotten of God gets the victory over the world. And this is the victory that has gotten the victory over the world, our faith. Message says it this way. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Hallelujah. Is our what? It's our faith. It's our ability to believe God, and we seek Him so diligent to hear His word, and we know that He has to reward us when we seek it. And the reward is that every day, by faith, faith comes by hearing. So every time you're in the Word, guess what? You're receiving a paycheck. Because the just are to live by What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a plumber. Well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a police officer. No, I'm a believer. I'm a child of the King, and my living is by faith. I happen to hold a job in the world where I hold dual citizenship 
in the world as a mechanic or as a police officer. And you know what? They pay me a natural way so that I can influence everybody for the kingdom of God. Craziest thing. But my real worth comes from the kingdom. And I live by faith. What's so awesome about faith currency? It works in every country. It's a global currency. It works everywhere. Everywhere. See, a lot of times I go on the mission field. And in fact, I'll be Monday moving, uh, going over to Haiti. Be there for a week helping a, uh, a guy that's been there for 43 years. And just done a phenomenal work in Haiti. And so I'm taking a team over there. You know, and we're going to minister some. But primarily we're going to organize his warehouse so that he can um, distribute to the nation all the supplies that he gets uh, to be able to help that nation. Amen. People donate things to him. He's like Walmart of Haiti. It's amazing. Really, it is. We're going to take care of his Sam's Club is what we're fixing to do. And so, you know, we're going to go over there. But it's the faith that he has to touch that nation that not only does he have currency, but then he gets resources. Why? Because he's not limited to the resources in that nation when he's from the kingdom of God. Because he can get them from the home country. And the home country can bring them from any nation of the world to take it to one nation hallelujah and so what happens if we don't watch out we then we begin to negotiate with god on how much faith we actually have to spend in order to see it hallelujah i'm not willing to spend a hundred dollars for that shirt but if money wasn't an issue See, it's kind of difficult to understand because we have this issue with wealth. We, we, we hate it. Uh, we don't want nothing to do with it. In fact, we hate wealthy people because we think they're not using their resources properly. Well, I don't know whether they are or not. Now, there are a group of wealthy people that all they do is sow to themselves. And the Bible warns about that. But the Bible never says you can't be wealthy. I'm not here to get us bogged down in wealth or money in general. What I'm trying to do is to prove a point here. The problem is if we have a problem with money, then we're going to have a problem in faith. The reason I say that is because we'll negotiate how much we have to expend in order to get the result. We want to create God, treat God like a yard sale. We want to negotiate with him. When the owner of the planet doesn't have a money problem. He doesn't sit down on his throne and go, I can't believe we got that land for $15 million. We should not have had to pay for that. He owns it all. See, the problem that we have with wealthy people is they they think of finance on a totally different level. And because we don't operate in that level, we think it's crazy that they could have five houses, uh, all these yachts. But what about all the hurting people in the world? You understand their yachts wouldn't change a person's life. And even if we liquidated all their assets and took all their physical money and poured it into a nation, they'll still die and go to hell. Because until they accept Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, money doesn't bring people to Christ. I said money doesn't bring people to Christ. Money is a tool that we use to send people, but they have to accept the message. 
We could go down right now to Puerto Rico and every wealthy person on the planet could liquidate every one of their assets, bomb the whole thing, build every one million dollar homes because the resources are available and place all those people in those homes with all their food, all the money, everything, and they'd still have miserable lives because without Jesus, they have nothing. And we hold wealth with contempt. Now, if I had all that money, I would. The problem is you have all that money. It's called faith. Pastor, if I could just win the lotto, man, I would. You don't have to win the lotto. You've got a system better than running numbers. All you've got to do is find the word believe God and pull it in. problem is you're negotiating with God on how much faith you want to have to spend when God sets the price. Oh, I'm preaching now. God sets the price. Seek me first. The king, seek me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things will be added to you. You know, they're not like added in the sense that they're free because that's what we want. Oh, it's free. You don't have to pay anything for it. No, you pay the price of seeking. And when you seek, that's work. And when you work seeking and believe God will reward you in your seeking because you'll actually believe what God says, then he'll pay out. He'll pay out in your faith, and your faith will believe, and then it causes the unseen to come into the scene. See, I don't get all bent out of shape about what's going down in St. Augustine with 25 acres of, 26 acres of land, 170,000 square foot of mall. You know, I don't get all caught up in what, how much, well, how much are we going to get it for? You, what's it matter? The king of glory, if I paid full price, a lot of people have a problem with David right now. And Abraham. Abraham said, I'm going to buy a plot of land for my wife, Sarah, and bury her there. How much is it? I'll pay full price. Most Christians would struggle with that. Well, they didn't believe God for nothing. I mean, if there was God was in it, they'd just give it to them. Listen, they wanted to give it to him, and he said, I won't do it. Then David, the same guy, I got to buy some land. He said, you're the king. What's that between us? You can have it. Tell me your price. Give me full price. How many believers are out there? We want full price. What's your full price? No, you're the church. We'll just give it to you. I want full price. Why? Because we've learned to bargain shop with our faith. Instead of saying, God, what do you need to do? When I met my, the owner of my property, I said, Lord, I don't know him personally, but you do. And if we need to pay full price to bless them, I'll do it. It's amazing how many Christians want to rob somebody of a blessing. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Because, again, we start getting into projects bigger than ourselves. It's something amazing. You understand there's this, there's this, there's, there's individual faith teachings that take place that have no purpose other than for you. Jesus is walking out on water, and all of a sudden they see him, and they're like, there's a ghost. And they're getting upset. Jesus says, hey, it's just me. And so Peter says, Lord, bid me to come out. Now, what's the purpose of Peter walking on water? Is he going to change the world with that? What's the purpose? It was individual faith building. Sometimes God will get you in a faith project for no other purpose than to build your faith. That's all it's there for, is to build yours. Get you to step out of something that you're comfortable in. I mean, he lived in ships. He was a fisherman. He's jumped in that water on more than one occasion and sunk every time. Every time. And the Lord said, I, I, 
I'll give you permission to do the impossible, which is what I'm doing. Just step out. Yeah, come. Gave him the word. He saw him. He, saw, he said, get, he knew, Lord, give me the word. Now, the minute he sought him for his will, bid me to come out. Basically, king, are you willing to let me come out, walk on water like you? The Lord said, I am. Faith happened. And the faith that rose up in him, he said, listen, this is what happened. He went, he's in the boat. He said, I believe. And he gave his faith to God. I believe. And when he did, he made an exchange with his currency. And God caused the water to be able to be firm enough for him to walk on. Now, I ain't saying that it turned into anything. Other, it stayed water, you understand? But for whatever reason, he was able to levitate out on it. I mean, he's on it. So I don't know what's happening to the water while his feet are there or what's happening to the buoyancy of his body. I can't answer that. All I know is he's on top. And he knows by natural circumstance, at all the times I've gotten out, this is not the case. Now, the problem is, is that when we step out and we start to do the impossible, the devil's not real happy about it. And he doesn't relent. Oh, well, God's got that one. God, take care of that. I'll just leave them alone. Go on to the next person. The devil says, oh, they, oh, they think they're doing something great. Oh, let's see if they really believe this. Let me see. Let me see. I mess with their mind. So a storm rises up. All of a sudden, Peter starts looking over at this wave, and he's remembering, man, that, I saw a wave like that, and I know some friends at the boat, you know, capsized. They're dead. That's not, this does not look good right now. Still walking. But he began to take those thoughts more than the word he got from his king. And what takes place? He starts sinking. Now, instead of him saying, no, no, I'm not going to sink because he said I could come. So I'm going to get back up on here. Which means another exchange of faith. Keeping the word in front of me. Why? I got to cash this thing out. I got to cash this thing. You understand, none of you work for one week and then retire. Right? So you're at that, yeah, I went to work one week. I got a job. Yeah, been there, done that. Got a t-shirt. One, I got paid once. Was, so what are you living on? Right? No, you keep, why? Because that, that currency comes by working. You're working it. You're constantly, it, it, it don't come just because you're employed. It doesn't come just because you're employed. I'm working at Walmart. They hired me. Yeah, awesome. When you go to work? Well, I mean, I'm hired. I make $10 an hour. When you go to, I don't have to work, man. I'm an employee. I get all the benefits. Yeah, but you still got to go to work Monday. That's when you're scheduled. No, nah, man, I'm, I'm a child of God. Right? I, I ask Jesus to come to my life. I don't have to work the word. I don't have to believe anything. All I got to do is show up. And I don't have to show up. I show up when I want to show up. Because I'm in. Yeah, you're in to obey. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So then, this is why Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all your body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. You understand, it's not about just hearing the word only. It's about doing the word. And it's about doing the word with a pure heart. There are so many variables here. People are upset at God when the problem is it's not a God problem. You know, there's a lot of people who go to work, but they have such a bad attitude, and then they get fired. They fire me today. What happened? I don't even know. 
That manager's a jerk, man. Right? Come on, y'all with me? That manager's a jerk. You know, go to work. I hate this job. This is the worst job ever, man. This is the stupidest job ever, you know, but you want your paycheck. You know, you see that person, they, they're sorry. They're the sorriest person. I hate working with them. They stink. They smell. They look funny. Whatever. Next thing you know, the manager calls you in. You know, you've been causing some, you know, conflict in our, you know, we're a team here. Yes, I know. <laughs> get all straight for that moment and then get out. What a jerk. Thinking, call me in there, da, 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 right? And then you get fired and you wonder what's going on. You know, well, I went to church. You know, hey, songs are too loud. You know, the drummer's so loud and noxious, I can't even hardly stand it. But whatever, I get past it. You know, can somebody just pull the Bible out? Why, man, it's almost, it's five minutes to 12. Surely this guy will shut up here in a minute so I can go to lunch. Lord, I just need you to bless me. And you wonder what's going wrong. And the Lord's like, where's your heart? Faith worketh by love. If love's not in the equation, then you've come to work with the wrong mentality. And again, I'm not talking about working in the context of you're earning something from God. I'm talking about working what God's already done for you. It's called a work of faith. You believe God and God's talking. He goes on and says this, put away uh, from you a deceitful mouth and, and put deceivious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed uh, in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So here we have this context where you know, here's Peter. Obviously, he's out. It was all about him anyway. God was trying to build his faith. But in the process of him actually performing God's word and it was working, then a challenge came. A trial and tribulation showed up that he put his focus on it. He turned to the right and to the left. And as a result of that, began to sink. And when Jesus grabbed him because he said, Lord, help me. And he did because God loves you. He's merciful. He helped. But notice what he didn't do. He didn't go help him, get him in the boat and says, well, that's all right, son. It's OK. No big deal. He rebuked him. He said, you a little faith. Like, seriously? You were walking on it, man. You let that distract you? We can't let things distract because here's the thing. They will. We can all get in agreement about stuff and step out, and then all of a sudden something happened. The question is, are you going to be distracted by it? Or will you stay with the word? Come. I know with me, with them all, I heard the word occupy. It's amazing how many people have gotten distracted now. Can't stay with Occupy. Why? Because they're trying to make God give us the mall at what they think is a bargain. Instead of, in turn, corporately coming back and saying, what is God saying to do? Because I'm not here to rob anybody. Because my king owns everything. And he has no problem giving it to me for free. No more than he has a problem with giving me full price for the land that I'm not in contract to buy at this price, but just to let you know because of comps, is worth $17 million. I can't believe they paid $17, $17 million for that. That is foolishness. Like my God's broke. And if we don't watch out, we'll get into these opportunities of faith projects where we want to negotiate. And every faith project requires us to hear because they will be different. So let me close with these couple examples real quick. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 33, I'm just giving this as an indicator. You read it yourself. Matthew 14, 13 to 33, and Mark 6, 35 to 37. Mark chapter 6, verse 35 and 37. 
this is the account of feeding 5,000 people. Okay? Now, Jesus obviously has been preaching for three days. And they've not eaten anything at all. And before he sends them off, he says, we need to feed them. So the disciples come to him and say, what are we supposed to do with this great number of people? And we only got the man count, 5,000 men. We do not have the women and children. So we know it's more than that. If everyone's married, that's 10. If everybody has at least two kids, we're at 20. I mean, do you understand how fast this can go? And I'm being conservative there. Okay? 5,000 men. All right? So we have 5,000 men there. And so Jesus says, we need to feed them. And so they come and ask him. The market account says, listen, if we went, you want us to go buy bread? Because it would cost 200 denarius. Now, they would not suggest something they didn't have. You have to get out of your mind that Jesus was broke because he was not. Judas cannot embezzle money off nothing. All right? They had the financial resource to purchase enough bread for everybody. But Jesus said, no. Why? Because there's opportunities that will manifest with us getting in faith with God to show God to humanity. God didn't want to leave the people. Well, I paid for it because I'm just a wealthy guy. In this context, he wasn't spending money on them. He said, what do, they have? what do we have? And they went around, and what did they find? Five loaves and two fish. Wow. Are you with me? Five loaves. So there are issues that occur naturally are not necessarily solved naturally. We need to understand that. Don't put pressure on your pastor to solve the, the, the vision's issues or problems because every vision will have a problem. And every expansion of that vision will have a conflict. And don't put him in the position that you require him to solve it naturally. Especially when natural means are there to solve it. I don't know why you just don't pay for it. Because God didn't say to pay for it. This is silly. We have it in the bank. Come on, are you with me? Even when a natural way is available, God will, uh, God's will is actually something different. Because why? How do you hear? God was like, there's no faith required to feed them if we spend the 200 denarii. But I'm not here to teach them how to spend money alone. I'm here to show them the currency of the kingdom. I need them to believe. What do we have? You know the disciples are thinking, nobody had no food here. This is silly. And they said, when I found this boy had lunch, you want me to take him to Jesus? What's he got? Oh, my gosh, man. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. This is sellout. Okay. I don't understand why he just won't let us spend his $200. I mean, this thing be done. You know how long? I mean, logistically, it's going to be paying because we don't have enough Marita trucks to get it here anyway. <clears throat> and I think some being shut down on Sunday, they don't even work. But I'm just saying that. Man, we're going to take a kid's lunch, man. Now, we ain't talking like a couple whales that were on the shore. You got to get that out of your mind, big fish. We're talking about a boy's lunch. And Jesus was looking just for this opportunity. So, we need to understand this. When the purpose uh, for help is evident, it does not mean 
uh, that it mean, uh, that the means to meet it is evident. I look at Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and it is evident you need to move. Evident. But that does not mean that the means to move is as evident. I mean, it's one thing for you to individually decide you're going to step out, but it's another thing for you as a church body to decide it's time to move. Corporately say, we're, we're going to get behind the next place. You understand, before I, I still hadn't bought property, but I don't care. I can preach without property. But ultimately, i got to be where God tells me to be. I mean, I can go buy five acres somewhere and build some cute little church somewhere, look much like that building in front of you, you know, and, you know, run. I could do everything natural. I could totally do it. But then where's faith in that? Because faith has a definition, believe in that which I can't see. If I built my life around what I literally had in my account with the congregation members that I had and kept everything to where I could naturally see it, where would faith ever be in any move I ever did? And what? Lord, I would love, oh, Lord, 108, that would be so awesome, God. But, you know, we just don't have that. So, Lord, you're going to have to work a miracle for it like we're negotiating. Instead of, Lord, you want to pay full price? I don't know where you're at. Free, full price, whatever, is going to cost me faith either way. So whether I need faith to believe for get it for free or believe God to pay full price for it, you're well able to give me the word. Just give me the word. Because whatever word you give me, you can get it. Now, again, I don't have a problem if people in my community say, man, that church, man, they spent $17 million on that mall. Again, we haven't. I'm just being hypothetical. Then they put, you know, $25 million into it to remodel it. I mean, gosh, think of all the people in other parts of the planet that God could have helped and saved. Shut up. Shut up. Because God told me to do that. So God's in that. And the people I'm building inside the building is worth more than the $25 million I could send to another country. Because the people I could send has a reservoir and an account that has no wind called faith. $25 million, I spend like that. Gone. It's gone. Because my vision is bigger than that. I mean, if your vision is not bigger than your checking account, you're not living by faith enough. You got to put yourself in a position that you're like, man, we, I got, we got to go somewhere. How are you going? You, you can't afford that. It ain't about affording. I'm looking for a house now. God told us to sell our house, my wife, and we decided for sale by owner. Great, for sale by. Been there 12 years. Beautiful little home. Loved it. A lot of sweat equity. Literal sweat equity. Three times over sweat equity. Okay, remodeled about three times. So. We knew it was time. Marcy, you know, she did all the little stuff, you know, took the pictures, did a little write-up, you know, put it on Facebook, put it on uh, Craigslist, and next thing you know, put our little for sale sign, 24 hours. Within 24 hours, we get a call. We'd like to see it at 5. Okay, we'll show it to you at 5 on that same Saturday. No problem. Okay. They show it two hours later. Call. We want it. How much will you take less? My wife's like, it's only been on the market for 24 hours. We're not taking nothing off. If you want it, you're going to take it for the price. Okay. Signed a contract Friday. They want to close in 35 days, which is the day I come back from India. That's the problem. I mean, I'm going to Haiti for a week now. Then I'm going to India November the 6th through the 17th, and i got to find another house. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, the house I'm looking at, I can't afford. 
because I don't go looking for houses on what I can afford. I go looking for houses. God, where do you want me? Because of the vision, the purpose in me, what God wants to do in the next stage. So one or the other, he's going to get it down to where I can, or he's going to bring it in somehow. I'm not a yard sale faith man. I pay the price of whatever God says that gets the result. Period. Period. Because if I can believe God for a thousand, I can believe God for ten thousand. If I can believe for ten thousand, I can go to a hundred thousand. I'm just talking monetary. If I can believe God for the sick, if I can believe God that people be healed, if I can believe God that people get born again, I can believe God that people's minds will be renewed, and, and if I can believe God that we can grow a church and keep being attitude, I, there's so many variables I'm believing God for now. Right now at Anchor Faith Church, we're believing for a thousand adults, just adults. I don't care about the kids. I'm going to be like Jesus. Count the adults. I didn't say men. I went with adults. I, that's where my face at right now. But there come a day. I want a thousand men only. Just I want five thousand men like that now. That women and children, whatever comes with them, come. Right? So about believing for things. So let's not negotiate. Let's say, what do you need to do? And believe. And when Pastor Mark says, "Man, I've been before God, and I believe we need to go here." Pastor Mark, for us to have that, that is prime property, Pastor Mark. Well, where do you think the king sets up his camp at? On the outskirts of town? Is that what he does? No, he wants his presence known. He wants people to come by and see his kingdom all the time. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it is. I can't even tell you how many times. I want to do a billboard, you know. It just says, just do what you're thinking. Come to Anchor Faith Church. I can't tell you how many people come in and say, man, you know, I've been thinking about coming here for a long time. You know what? God's been telling you for a long time then. So we know where we got to work with you because you don't follow God very well. Because a year ago you could have been here. Right? Amen. You've heard friends of yours. Some of you are here today say, you know, I, I heard about you. You know, I thought about it. But, you know, why did it take you so long? Don't let it take you so long no more. Believe God. Stand. Do. Be believers. This is what we do. God's called us to believe. He said, my children will live by faith. So you're a child of God. And if you are, you better find something you don't even see yet. You better get with your king and say, what is it that you want me to believe for that's not even seen in the natural? But yet you've put it in my heart and I'm going to believe it, stand on it, confess it, speak it. I am going to make a faith exchange with you. I am going to do a transaction in the supernatural and cause my faith currency to touch you in heaven so that you can cause the unseen to manifest in the scene. Because when I pray, my father who's in heaven and holy is his name, his kingdom does come. His will is done on earth as it is in heaven so he can pull it in for me. And it's time. For this church to corporately get behind the next place. You understand? You may do a couple steps. You need to be seen just to get enough, uh, sometimes enough momentum to get to where you get property. What is property? I mean, if I could convince half the church, I could run on way less. You know, I, 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 I have a great statement for the next person. Says, well, you know, the church is not a building. But they won't come without it. I'd go down to the beach every Sunday. Rain, shine, high tide, low tide, doesn't matter. And I just sit on the dirt, and I'll preach. I can preach to you. But they like that comfort. They like the climate control, the chairs. You will not keep a group. 
No, that's probably about a building too, isn't it? Probably about some land. It probably is, actually. Because none of, none of us have gotten to the maturity that I go to the dirt just to hear the word. Whew. We got a lot to do still grow up, right? Amen. Let's just keep moving. Keep, keep confessing. Keep moving forward. Because at Anchor Faith Church, we're always advancing. Let's pray. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking around. If you're here today, you can't live this kind of life without being born again. Which literally means, when translated, means born from above. Until you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then you can't operate in his economy. Nor can you operate um, with the substance that brings the unseen into the seen. And I'm telling you, you're not limited to your wallet, to what the world has said is your worth. How much your job says you make. You're not limited, ever. Jesus did not need 200 denarian to buy bread. All he needed was a word over five loaves and two fish. And it was more than enough to feed all the men, women, and children and have 12 basketfuls by which all of his disciples had to carry home for the boy. I don't know exactly what God's saying in the move, but I do know this. Whatever he says, he can do. So before you get naturally minded on whether or not God has spoken to someone, I can't believe they'd pay that kind of price or they would move in that location. Well, if the king, when the king's in it, it'll work. Even when conflict comes, if you stay on what you said, what you heard from God, it'll come to pass. And it'll maintain and overflow and be exceeding abundant. So, Lord, help us that when we go to you, we don't try to negotiate on how much price we have to pay to get it to come in. For some, it may mean, I'd love to talk to you. Get into prayer and fasting for three days and seek me. That's too much of a cost. Can I uh, just skip a cup of coffee this morning? You're trying to take God to a yard sale. No, he owns it all. He is there to give freely to you, but at his word to you. So if you're not born again, I'm telling you, today's the day. Today would be a great day to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Today would be a great day to say, I'm getting into this kingdom. I'm getting into the place that this currency is global. And it will cause things to come to me that I don't have to be concerned naturally whether I have it or not. I have the word of my king. Is there anyone at all who says, I need to be born again today? Pastor Earl, would you pray for me? I need to know that I know I'm a child of God. Anyone at all? Lift your hand, would you? Anyone at all? Say, that's me. That's me. Anyone at all? Well, Father, I thank you for your word today. I bless Anchor Faith Church Valdosta. I bless all these that have already partnered with the church. I thank you, Lord, that we see it beyond these walls. We see it out from behind this building. And, Father God, it's going to be another step of faith. It's going to be another step of faith. You're not limited. You don't have to take them to a bigger building paying less money. You can take them to a bigger building paying more money and still supply the need. So, Father, I thank you they have seed in the ground. I thank you that there are people of faith. I thank you, Lord, they don't get lost in transition and say, well, I like it when we were hidden in, in, in behind everything. You know, I could go privately. No, we need to be seen. We are a, a, a light that's set on a hill and needs to shine. And the word that's preached here needs to be heard and needs to be in front of the community always and often. So, Lord, 
Rise. Raise this place up. Raise it up, Lord, to leave this location. Bring all the supply. Touch the hearts of whoever needs to touch. Put, put us in the greatest position so that when we look back on this, we'll say, but God. And our faith will be stronger, not only individually, but corporately as a church in Valdosta and churches that are in two locations in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I could just give you a quick action item from that message, I think we need to take some time and ask yourself, in what areas in your life have you lowered the value that God has assigned to someone? Have you tried to determine on your own what something is worth? What it's going to really take to mend the marriage? What it's really going to take to see that thing come to pass? What it's really going to take to see healing in your body? Have you lowered the value and said, God, I'm only willing to put this in. You need to beat me down here. We need to react. We need to ask ourselves, God, what is the value that you've assigned to this marriage? What's the value you've assigned to receive in this healing? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my faith. I'm going to raise my level. I'm going to exchange the amount of currency that you're asking for. We need to quit asking God to come down to us, and we need to start developing our faith. That's why he turned to Peter in that boat and said, you of little faith. You thought it was going to take this much faith, and I'm telling you it's going to be. But this is the thing, guys. We can't devalue the faith that we have because he said if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you would be surprised what your, step of, what your step of faith would accomplish in your life. You would be surprised. You pulled out a 20, and the guy says that's going to be 25. You would be surprised what you would get for that extra $5 if you would put that extra step in. Amen. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to make an exchange of faith naturally and spiritually as our ushers.